I don't know if it's just me, but every now and again, I learn something brand new about my phone. And it just blows me away. For example, not very long ago, and maybe I'm gonna ask if you guys know this already. Maybe this is just old news. Maybe this is just me. But if you are, I did it this morning. If you're texting on your phone and you know you've got, this is an iPhone, and you got a bunch of text and then you see at the top you misspelled a word or something, I just learned this. You can hold down your thumb on the space button and swipe around and it becomes like a mouse with the cursor. Now this was brand new information to me. How many of you knew that already? Okay. How many, okay. How many of you did I enlighten this morning? How many of you? Okay. For all of you that have your hands up, we're going to take an offering later. You may want to participate. You're welcome. I didn't know, again, until just a couple weeks ago. This is brand new information to me that, again, I don't know how an Android phone works, but on the Notes app, the Notes app, I can, and it blew me away, Heather, I can scan documents on the Notes app. And Kara, don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me, Kara. I didn't know that. You can start a new note and you can hold it over a piece of paper and it's like a, a scanner in your pocket. I didn't know that. How many else, how many, anybody else not know that? Thank you, Johnny. Again, offering later. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Maybe we can have a phone thing later on. I taught a guy the other day. This is something I did know. This was literally on Wednesday. He didn't know that you can, again, on my phone, you can swipe down and get your calculator from right there. He didn't know that. And so I felt pretty smart when I showed him, hey, you could do X, Y, and Z. There's all sorts of things. And here's the thing about the phone, is that those features were always there. I just didn't know they were there. They, I didn't have to do an update. I didn't have to buy a special type of phone. They were just there, and I just didn't know that. And what John is going to tell us this morning is that there are some, we'll call them, for lack of a better word, there are some features of the Christian life that have always been there for you and have always been available, you might just not have tapped into them. That, that when you think about Christianity and faith in Jesus, maybe kind of the beginning and the end of your thought about that is, I follow Jesus, he forgives me of my sins, and I go to heaven someday. And that, that is true 100%, and that's really the core of Christianity. Without that, nothing else matters. But what John is getting ready to tell us today is, that is absolutely true, and that is the central part. That's like being able to make a phone call on the phone. You need to be able to do that. But there are some other things that are part of the Christian life that you have access to. They are available. You don't have to be super Christian. You don't have to know all the things. There are just some things that are available to you, whether you ever tap into them or not. Those features on my phone would have been there every moment of every day. It was just up to me to figure out this can do this. And the same is true, John is going to tell us in our Christian life. There are some things that you have access to. You might not ever tap into them. You might not ever use them. But they are available and they will help your Christian life. It's not just about someday, one day in heaven. There are some things about following Jesus that impacts my Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and on Friday and when I'm stressed. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the passage of Scripture and then we're going to look at four. Again, I'm just going to use the word features for lack of a better word. Use the word features to understand in this Scripture verse or in these Scripture verses what John is kind of telling us. These verses are going to be here on the screen. Let me just read the whole thing, and then we will kind of dive in. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 18 is where we're going to start. This is where we ended last week. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. 
Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. And then if you have a printed Bible and if you write in your Bible or if you highlight, you ought to, there's that word so there. You could, you could highlight or, or circle that. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So I, again, in other words, I'm a follower. I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. And then so, and he's going to give us some things that we can have access to because of that. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them, and we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave lives in us. Four features of the Christian life that are available to you. If you're not a Christian, if you're still kind of kicking the tires, this is something that when you begin to follow Jesus, if that's something that you ever choose to do, these are instantly available to you. There's four of them. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first one is this, because of the the decision I made to follow Jesus, I have confidence because of God's grace. Confidence because of God's grace. He says it two different ways in verse number 19 and verse number 21. Let me read it for you again. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. There's our word, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God, come to God with bold confidence. So he says, he says two things. That number one, I can be confident when I stand before God in eternity. That's the first thing he says. That when I eventually, when this life is over, all of us, me, you, everybody, we stand before God and he takes an assessment of our life. And if we have chosen on this earth to follow Jesus and to receive forgiveness of our sins, John says, I can be confident. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be nervous. It, did my good outweigh my bad? Did I do enough to get in? I mean, am I going to sneak in just by the skin of my teeth? John says, you don't, no, no, no. You can be confident because of what God has done, because of his grace, because of his mercy. When you take your last breath on this earth and you begin your eternity because of a choice that you made to receive what Jesus has done in his grace, you can be confident. So in this life, you don't have to worry. You, you don't have to be nervous about, gosh, am, am I doing enough to get in? It doesn't have anything to do with that. That it's confidence because of God's grace. And then he says, not only that, but go back to that last slide for me. If we feel guilty, then here on this earth, we can come to God. If, if, if my emotions, we're gonna see that here in a second, if my emotions are twisting and turning, man, I can still, I can on this earth, I can come confidently to God, that he sees me as I am, with all of my flaws, with all of my sin, and with all of my imperfections, with all of the I think I know what to do, but I just don't want to do it. He sees all of that, and with confidence, he still says, you can come in. You can be in my presence. You can be with me. I don't hold you at an arm's length. I don't keep you at a distance until you get yourself cleaned up. I can come confidently to him. And this is a really big deal. Think of that, the, the principle of that, that if it's true that God created everything, if it's true that God was the starter of everything, if it's true that God knows every moment of every detail of your life and he still invites you to be content and confident in him, that is an amazing, amazing thing. That God knows everything there is to know about me 
There are some things that, man, I don't want public to see, and he knows all of the thoughts that I don't want people to hear, and he knows kind of the motives of my heart. God sees all of that, he knows all of that, and he still says, you can come and be with me. You can be in my presence. You've got this idea, you've heard it, maybe you've said it before, he's like, man, I can't go to church, I can't go to church, because if I go to church, lightning might strike. But if I walk in the doors, everybody better steer clear of me because of the way that I've lived, no, no, no. John says, when we begin to follow Jesus, when we receive his forgiveness, when we receive his grace, I can have confidence because of his grace. The author of Hebrews said it this way in chapter 4, verse 16. Let us, you can all, you're all here. Everybody gets to play. Let us come boldly, come confidently to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. I need mercy and we will find grace, I need grace, to help us when we need it the most. It's, it's this present tense. Every day you can do that. You, you don't have to come to church to come to God. You don't have to come to church to have a connection with God. You can, in your home, in your office, while you're mowing the lawn, when you're driving down the road, on your stressful days, on your good days, you are invited to be connected to your Heavenly Father and you can be confident when you come, you will not be rejected. When you come, you are not going to be shooed away. When you come, you're not going to be, hey, come back when you get your life figured out and when you stop screwing up so much. No, I can just come. Do you need peace? You can come confidently to God. Do you need joy? You can come confidently to God. Do you need wisdom or direction or assurance or whatever it is this week? Well, John says because of God's grace and because of his mercy, because of what he has done on the cross, and I have followed him into that, I can be confident knowing God is on my side. God's not anti-me. He invites me. He welcomes me. He wants me to be connected to him. And so a feature that you have, I don't know if you've ever tapped into it or not, something that you can do is that you can be confident knowing when I come to God, he welcomes me that I have received an invitation from the creator of the universe. I can come to him and be welcomed by him. But not only that, here's another feature that my identity can be revealed by God's truth. So confidence because of God's grace and identity revealed by God's truth. I don't know about you, but for me, there's certain times when I read the scripture or hear an inspirational sermon or just kind of see other people, I can get down on myself I can say, man, why, why can't I do the things that I know that I should be doing? Why, why do I keep struggling with this? Why do I keep falling into that habit? Why am I the way that I am? Why do I keep going back to that? I know that that's not the right thing to do, and yet I keep going back. Why am I not past this? I don't feel like I measure up. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel loved. And there is this tension, and there is this frustration. I know better, and yet... Man, what do, I, what do I do with that? And John says, if you've ever felt that guilt, if you have ever shied away from God because of, I, I kind of know me, John says, because of what God has done and God's truth, my identity can be in what God already says about me. Here's what it said in verse number 20. Man, if I feel guilty, if I look at my life and if I say, man, Kyle, why, why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep falling into that habit? Why, why do you keep saying, I never will do that again, and then I'm, I'm right back to it? Why do I keep getting back into that cycle? And I feel guilty. Here's the great news. God's greater than my feelings, and he knows everything. So there are there times when what's true about me and what I feel about me are different. Because I have followed Jesus into 
salvation. And because I have received his grace, what's true about me is that I am righteous, that I am holy, that I am loved, that I am forgiven, that I've been bought with a great price, that I am a child of God. That is inherently true about me. But sometimes my feelings about me is I'm never enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And what I have to decide and what you have to decide is which of those two things are you going to follow? Am I going to follow what my ex says about me or what society says about me or what my past says about me or what whoever says about me? You're not enough. You're never going to be able to make it. You'll never achieve. You'll ne am I going to follow that? Or am I going to follow this is what God says about me, that my relationship to the Father is not based on a subjective feeling about how good of a day or how bad of a day I've had. It's just based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. I am who God says I am because of what God has done on my behalf. And so I can move away from my feelings and I can accept this is what God thinks about me. I am a child of God. I am called. I am gifted. I am a overcomer. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. That is what's true about me. And so the feature that is available is that I can begin to see myself not as other people see me or not even as myself necessarily sees me. I can see me as God sees me. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. This means that anyone, so we're all in it together. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, well, you've become a new person. That is true about you. That, that you are, because of your decision to follow Jesus, you are in that moment a new person. Now, sometimes your actions take a little while to catch up to that. Sometimes your, the way that you think takes some time to catch up to that. Sometimes the way that you talk takes some time to catch up to that. But in an instant, you became a new person. And what your spiritual enemy, the devil, wants to do is he wants to holds you back. He wants to remind you, hey, remember how you were? Remember that you did that? Hey, you, they don't want you. You can't serve. You can't be important. You can't make a difference. You can't, you can't, because your past and you did this and you really screwed up. And we have to just decide. No, my identity is revealed in God's truth. Who I am is based on what Jesus has done for me, not based on what I've done to myself, not based on the, the decisions that I've made. I am a new person. That old life is gone and the new life has begun. That is a feature that is available to you whether you tap into it or not. Here's the idea that I want to try to get. The devil can remind you of your past, but only God can redeem it. And that's good news for us. The, the devil, he wants to weigh you down and say, nah, because of what you did, because of the type of person you are, you can't, you can't, you can't. But what God is able to do in his mercy and in his grace and in his providence is say, yes, that, that's true about you. You did do that. You did get involved in that. And you were this type of person. And you did act this way. But I can redeem it. I can turn what you did wrong into good, and I can return what is broken and what is messed up into righteousness and holiness. God can cause. He said in Romans, all things, even my worst day, even the day where I knew exactly what I shouldn't do, and yet I did it anyway, all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his person. Here's good news for us. It's just a feature that your past, my past, is no match for God's grace. I don't know what your past has been. 
I don't know what type of things you do when nobody's looking. I don't know the type of thoughts that you think and what the condition of your heart is, but here's what I know is true, is that your past is no match for God's grace. And so you don't have to be weighed down by what happened. You don't have to be held back by what people say about you or what your own feelings say about you. I'm not, I'm not going to be held back by what I did or even necessarily what happened to me. My identity is revealed in God's truth. My identity is secure and Jesus has redeemed me. He has called me a new creation. That old life is gone and that new life has begun and so I'm just gonna walk in that. And my feelings and what's true sometimes are at odds and I'm choosing to follow what's true about me. I have confidence because of God's grace and I have identity that's revealed in God's truth. You don't ever have to tap into those but you can, it's available just like all that stuff on my phone, it was there the whole time. Your identity, it's been there the whole time. You, you just have to decide this is what I'm gonna follow. That the confidence that you can have to follow Jesus and to accept his invitation to be, that's available the whole time. It's just a matter of if you want to tap into it. Here's the third one, prayer synced to God's heart. So confidence because of God's grace identity revealed by God's truth. And then John says, man, you can have answer to prayer. That your prayer life, if it's synced to God's heart, your prayer life is going to be full of answered prayers. Here's what he says in verse number 22. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Now, I could spend about four weeks on this right here that you don't want me to do that. And so we're gonna spend about five minutes and sit. This verse, among other ones, has been taken so far out of context by people. So let me just really quick, because here's what people will, will, they'll just pull this out and we'll receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that, that please him. Well, God, I'd, could I win the lottery, please? Well, if, if, I, if I'm gonna receive from God whatever I ask, then I wanna, I wanna win the lotto. I'm gonna go buy some, some scratch tickets and God, you said, you said that I will receive from you whatever I ask, and I asked, lottery please. And then, it, well, maybe I can't believe the Bible. God, I, I, what I really want is, I saw, I saw it on a video this week, and I still don't know if it's a joke or not. This, this lady came up to this, it was like a traveling minister, and she was a little overweight, and her prayer request was, I want a flatter stomach. And the guy prayed, You'll be amazed to think that and that prayer was not answered in that moment. It was, it was just unbelievable. But she had this idea, whatever I ask. This, that's not what this verse is saying. That, that when we do what John has told us to do, when our hearts get connected to the Father, that our requests become what the Father wants them to be. That our requests will be honored and will be answered by God when they seek to do his will. That's why Jesus said when he taught us how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. As I get closer to the Father, as my heart is connected to the Father, I start to ask God for things that promote his history and his story and what he wants done more than what I want done. Now, when I pray selfish prayers, when I pray, God, it's just about me, and can you fix this for me, and can you do that for me? Oftentimes, I can get so frustrated because I'm not receiving an answer to my prayer. Well, it's because my heart is not synced to God's heart. A couple weeks ago, do you remember we said that I can always determine how connected I am to the Father by how easily I give in to temptation? 
Well, the same is true with prayer, that I can always determine how connected I am to the Father by the type of prayers that I pray. That, that if my prayers are just about me, 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 and give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, here's what it reveals about me. I, I'm not as connected to the Father as what I should be. If my only prayer life is 911 prayers, the 911 prayers, God help, 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 please fix this, do this, I, I, I really screwed up, I really missed that. If my only prayer is the 911 prayers, here's what's revealed about me, is that I'm not as connected to the Father as I should be. Young people, you've prayed the rescue me prayers. Can I just give you a little bit of advice from a person that's done it more times than I care to admit? What God would rather have than the 911 prayer is ahead of time a prayer that says, God, where do you want me to go? What direction do you want me to take? What relationships do you want me to pursue? And I've found about myself, and I could introduce you to some people that have found out the same truth, that when they pray ahead of time, God keeps them from the disasters. When they ask for direction from God ahead of time, they have to pray less of the 911 calls because God answers that prayer. Yes, I will lead you. Absolutely. I'll guide you. Yes, I will keep you away from some things. And if you obey me, it's going to keep you from having to pray so many 911 prayers. And so when you think about your prayers just over this last week, when I think about my prayers over this last week, what were your prayers about? You just, just got to kind of dig in a little bit. Was it all about me? Or did I pray like what Jesus invited me to pray? Your kingdom come. How, how can my life help your kingdom to come? Your will be done. How can my life and my job and my relationships, how can I help your kingdom and your will to be done? Jesus beautifully modeled this for us. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying and he said, God, if there is any possible way, please take this cup away from me. I see what's coming, and I don't want to have to go through it. But Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus, because his heart was synced to the heart of the Father, said, but not my will, that your will be done, that not my kingdom come, that yours. Here's what I want. Here's what I think is best. But at the end of the day, I want what you want. And if you, I'm just telling you, if you will begin to pray that way, John says your prayers will be answered. John says when your heart is synced to the heart of the Father, when I am dwelling with him, when I'm in his presence, when I'm synced up to him, I'm going to pray a different way. And when I begin to pray the God way, those prayers get answers. It's not about winning the million dollars at the lottery ticket. It's about, man, how today can my life be used for your kingdom to come and your will to be done? And yes, God wants to hear your 911 prayers. Absolutely, he does. But if those are the be-all and the end-all of your prayers, there are some features that you're not tapping into. There are some things that are available to you. When you begin to get this dynamic prayer life, when you know my heart is synced with the heart of the Father, I'm just telling you, it will change the way you talk to God. David said it this way in Psalms, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. When I take delight, when I put everything about me in the Lord, when I put the relationships in the Lord, my money in the Lord, my career in the Lord, my hopes and dreams in the Lord, all of a sudden my heart's desires become God's heart's desires. And when I pray about those, those things happen. As I put everything in the Lord, man, my heart changes. 
Oftentimes, and again, I, I don't know how much you've been taught about prayer or what you know about prayer, but a lot of times we think about prayer as trying to change God's mind. We think about prayer as if I just say it the right way and if I cross my eyes the right way and hold my tongue the right way and say just the right words, maybe I can get God to do what I want God to do, and that's just not prayer. It's just not prayer. I mean, genies in the bottle work that way, and magic men work that way, but God doesn't work that way. That God is not just a, a, a person that we bring our wish list to. He wants to have that connection. He wants to have intimacy. He wants to have relationship. And prayer doesn't always, I can't remember who said it, but I just love the quote. Prayer sometimes does and sometimes doesn't change what's going on around me, but it always changes the inside of me. Prayer changes me even if it doesn't change what's going on around me when my heart is synced to God. Your kingdom come. That's a lot different than would you help me with the scratch-off ticket. Well, that's a lot different than would you fix this and I need this and I have to have this. I mean, I'm not saying don't pray that way. I'm just saying don't let that be your only prayer and don't let that be your primary prayer. Let your heart be synced to the heart of the Father and just watch what happens to your prayer life. And so we've got confidence because of God's grace. My identity is revealed because of God's truth. I'm not gonna be led by my feelings. I'm not gonna be led by what's going on in the moment or what's exciting or popular in the moment. I'm led by God's truth. My prayer life is different because it's synced to God's heart. I'm not just, I'm not just throwing up these 911s every now and again and then here is maybe the most, the most important one, strength given by God's spirit. So confidence because of God's grace, identity revealed by God's truth, prayer synced to God's heart. The last one, I think probably the most Important one again, we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on this. Maybe someday we will. But strength is given by God's Spirit. Here's what verse number 24 says Those who obey God's commandments will remain in fellowship with Him and He with them. And I just love this line. And we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave lives in us. There is a feature of your life that is available to you that. If you will tap into it, your Christian life will explode. It will be like wind in your sails when you realize, I have the Spirit of God in me and with me. If you are, there's just a lot of theology here, but if you are a Christian, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, here's what happened to you. Instantly, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. That God's spirit is in you. The scripture would say, and I, we could look it up later if you want, that it's impossible for you to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. You, you cannot. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the ability to live this victorious Christian life. If you find yourself struggling with why can't I move past this? And why can't I get over this? And why do I keep going back into this? And why can't I seem to make any progress? It's possible that there is a feature of your Christian life that you've not tapped into called the Holy Spirit. That there is strength that is available to you. Jesus, after he had died and been risen from the dead, he's given his disciples some last minute instructions and this is what he said right before he ascends to heaven. And now I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised and stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, there was an amazing mission waiting for these disciples. They had to go tell people about what God had done 
through Jesus. They needed to go tell people about what Jesus had offered, the forgiveness of sin. But Jesus warned them, do not go do anything until you're filled with the Spirit. Don't go do anything until the Spirit comes because if you go out into the world and if you go out spiritless, you are not gonna be effective. If you go out into the world and try to do what I've called you to do without the Spirit with you, it is not going to work. And so he said, don't do a thing until the Spirit comes. The same is true in our life. You ought not try to live the Christian life without the power of the Spirit dwelling in you. It's in you, you just have to tap into it. What's waiting out for you, the temptations and the struggles and all of the things that society tries to pull you into, it's too strong for me and it's too strong for you to try to deal with on your own. I need and you need God's power working inside of you. You, you, listen, you and me, we're all in the same boat together. We're not gifted enough. We're not inspired enough. We're not self-disciplined enough in and of ourselves to go into the craziness of the world and live out what Jesus has called us to live out. We need a helper. And so did they. And Jesus said, don't try to do it. Don't try to go out and do what I've called you to do until the Spirit comes. You need strength. It's the same that's true for us. I need the strength of the Spirit to be able to do what God has called me to do, and so do you. And it's available. It's it's in you. That I mean, that again, it's been there the whole time. The question is then, have you tapped into that? Are you trying to live your Christian life just on your own? And do you find yourself frustrated? There's the feature of the Holy Spirit. Why can't I win in this area of my life? You might have started your day without any power. You might have started your day without the power of the Holy Spirit living and working inside you. Corey Ten Boom, you've heard of her. She was a Holocaust survivor. She said it this way. I love it. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Why did Corey able to go through all the things that she was able to go through? Why was she able to endure everything that she endured? Why was she able to forgive the people that brutally, brutally tortured her and her family? Why was she able to minister to so many people? Well, Corey would tell her, it's not because I'm just a great person. Not because I've got it all together. Not because I know all the answers to all the questions. Corey would say, I was able to do it because the Holy Spirit. There, there are some features, and I don't know if you knew about the features of the Christian life or not, but John says there are some things that are available to you, and so you can just decide. Here's the four of them again, just in case you missed them. Are, are there any of these that you haven't realized yet? Are there any of these that you haven't tapped into yet? If, if there is, they're, they're at your disposal. John says, if you're following Jesus, if you have made the choice to follow Jesus day in and day out, confidence because of God's grace is accessible to you. It's not Christianity 201 or 301, it's just immediately available. Identity revealed in God's truth, you can have that. You, you don't have to be worried about what other people say about you and what does my past say about me and this is what other people think about me. No, I am who God says I am. I am a child of God, I am called, I am gifted, I am able to do what God has 
called me to do. That is what's true about me. My prayer life gets synced to God's heart, and when I realize what does God want me to be praying about and how can my life and my gifts and my abilities help his kingdom become, it's not just about me. Man, my prayer life is just, it's just like a, a, a stick of dynamite goes off. It's just so powerful. And then strength. Are you trying to live the Christian life on your own? Has it been, has it been frustrating? Has it seemed tedious? Has, has it seemed like you're just walking through the mud? It's possible that you're trying to live your Christian life on your own. And you've probably done a pretty good job. But the Spirit can strengthen you. The Spirit can give wings to your Christian life. And you will, I'm just telling you, you will never be the same again. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you have given to us as followers of Jesus. And so, Lord, I'm praying for the people sitting here in the room, the people watching online, that we would tap into what you have offered to us. Lord, I'm praying that this week we would have confidence knowing I can come to my Heavenly Father and I can receive grace and I can receive mercy in the times that I need it the most. Lord, I'm praying for people that are having the identity crisis that they are trying to wrestle with. This is what my past says about me, and the devil is trying to remind me of all the things that I've done, and this is what this person thinks about me. Lord, I'm praying that they would be anchored in what you say about them, that they are a child of God, that they have been bought with a great price, that you who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it. Help that to be our identity. Lord, all of our prayer life, we, we want our prayer life to reflect your heart. We want the way that we speak to you to reflect your heart. And so, Lord, would you sink our hearts with you, that we would be willing to say, as Jesus said, not our will, but your will be done. And, Lord, we're so grateful for your Holy Spirit. We're grateful for the strength that it gives and the wisdom that it gives and the power that it gives. And so, Lord, I'm praying that the spirit that lives inside of us would be tapped into by us, not just on Sunday mornings, but on Monday and on Wednesday and when we're struggling and we're tempted. I'm praying that the Spirit's strength would rise up in us and it would put wings to our Christian life. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.